Good morning. This is Darrell Gunter, your host for Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Boy, I'm so pleased today. We have a very special guest in our studio today, uh, Mr. William Michael Barbie, who is an author, entrepreneur, and also a film director. William Michael, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. You know, it's so good. I, I was at the Book Expo meeting and when we first met, and um, I had the opportunity of having you to give me an overview of your book. But before we get to your book, and the title of the book is? Clip Wings, They Do Fly. And you have a movie that you're uh, currently in production? Yes, we have a movie, yes. Before we, we get into that, tell us a little bit about your background, um, if, if you care to share okay, with us. Okay, sure, sure. I'm a Norker, born and raised in the city of Newark, um, Newark Public School System. Uh, very proud of the public school system of Newark from the 60s, 70s, so forth. Uh, high school, arts high school, city of Newark, uh, School of Performing Arts. Uh, Jersey City State, I went there majoring in biology. Uh, went to Rutgers, Rutgers, Newark, graduated there with the degree in business. We're management. here at Seton Hall, that's one of our rivals, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> well, you got to mention the great institutions that's around right. here as well. That's right. Um, and give credit to Seton Hall, but I didn't do anything here but party. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one of my life goals was to become a mortician also, so you have your little bucket list. So I went to mortuary school in 2003 once I did a semi-retirement and graduated mortuary school, uh, McAllister American Academy of Mortuary Science, vice president of my graduating class 2003. Wow, <laughs> you're phenomenal. God is good. Yes. <laughs> and uh, tell us a little bit about your your business. You're an entrepreneur uh, par excellence. I mean, you are involved in a lot of things, and you're doing some really great things in Essex County, in the city of East Orange. Uh, share with our audience a little bit about that. Yeah, I've been blessed to come up on the rough side of the mountain. And uh, one of the things, living inner city and not having good funding, um, you're forced to create and be creative outside of the box. Uh, one of my ways of funding college, I started a limousine service. And that was after taking my mentor, Dr. William Howard Griffith. Um, he's a retired nephrologist. Uh, I was taking him to the airport for a long time. And then I realized after taking them, I can make money at this. And that was actually the first business 26, 27 years ago that I started to pay for college. Uh, I wasn't your straight-A student because I worked full-time, worked at a dialysis unit, Hillside Dialysis, uh, on Bloin Ramsey Street. And I worked part-time at uh, Pathmark on Route 22 in Union. Used to catch the bus while going to school full-time. And actually, I started that when I was in high school. I was working full-time by my senior year. And I never really had that uh, exit. So developing, thinking, creating outside the box were just natural tendencies for myself coming in an inner-city environment and now trying to apply it to a world that didn't resemble me. So thinking out the box was uh, how I was able to start the limo service. From there, the limo service... Um, did his thing, and I met so many people. And uh, it was the same mentor, Dr. William Howard Griffith, who encouraged me to um, start the ambulance service, United to Care Medical Transportation Service. And I was transporting doctors with the limos, their children, the security guards at the hospital, East Orange General Hospital. And the doctor suggested, why don't you transport the patients? 
and me following his lead is how I started the United Care Medical Transportation Service 17 years ago. So you, you, you provide a service to someone, you provide a good service, and then once someone says to you, hey, have you thought about that? But you do something that a lot of folks don't do. You act on it. Sure. And when you act on it, um, do you think about, okay, what, what is your business model? Do you, do you worry about that or you just do it and, and things work out? Well, as an artist, and, and I always have to go back to being an artist, uh, you have a palette and you have multiple colors. And the way that I've described my business philosophy and approach is that each business represents a different color. Uh, the medium that I use, the paint, and what canvas I painted on called the world stage um, is a matter of mixing those colors. Now, I take advice, and my mom is the first to tell people because some folks say, you don't listen to anything. But my mom is first to tell you I listen to everything that everyone speaks. My mom is first to tell you that I listen to what everyone tells me. Um, so I'm, I'm a great listener, and being a disciplinarian and, and coming from that type of teaching, um, I've learned how to take what everyone has to say and take account for it, study, evaluate it, and then process it and see what works for me and what doesn't. And even those things that don't work, just put it aside and maybe later on it may work into the plan, the overall plan. Let's talk about your book, Clipped Wings, They Do Fly. How did this book come about? The book Clipped Wings, They Do Fly originally was autobiographical in nature, and it was a dedication to my mother, Josephine Priscilla Barbie, and the work that she laid before me. I remember as a little boy, um, elementary school, my mother, I'm the youngest of five, she had five children, and a husband who worked as a machinist, my father, and later on for the UAW. But mommy would take her kids to college at Rutgers University. I saw a sacrifice. She went to work, took us to school in the evening, cooked dinner for us, made sure that we were well-fed, covered and everything. And as I got older, um, from not really having so much of a social outlet as a child, in spite of all of her sacrifices and commitment, I got depressed, suicidal, institutionalized emotionally. Um, and when I say institutionalized, not incarceration, but I was in a hospital for depression. And um, watching my mother's sacrifices is what pulled me out of that dark space that I was trapped in. So the original book, Clip Wings, They Do Fly, was a dedication piece to Josephine Barbie for the work that she had done in my life. And the title, how did you come about the title? The title, when you go back to the original script of the book, Clip Wings, They Do Fly, there's an old adage in our community that says, on her shoulders I stand. And when I think about mom's commitments and her work ethic and, and, and all the work she put into all her children, um, Clip Wings is about a bird mm -hmm. who clips its wings. And as we know, birds that have a clipped wing will die in nature because their wings are their outlet to freedom, to food, to rest, to everything. And if they have a clipped wing, that means they die. So I'm speaking to my mother through her clipped wings 
she flies through her children's successes. And that's where clip wings, they do fly. She flies today because of our successes. Wow, that's very profound. Oh, here you go. That is very <laughs> profound. Wow, wow. You know, I'm the youngest of seven. Wow. My mother, uh, you know, my father passed when I was 12, so mm. I, I know of the sacrifices and the struggles. Sure. You know, but it's something else when you say that, you know, her wings might be clipped, but through her children, her vision flies. Right. Very nice. Well, I remember a small story. Um, when I graduated Rutgers, uh, Newark, I didn't want to go to the graduation. I paid for it. I didn't think standing in the sun was worth the two, three hours that they take you through. And I do understand the importance of a man of color to walk across that stage and receive your diploma. But I had so many mixed emotions with the fact of not uh, having that social life and being in a position where I had to work. Um, so my mom, upon her graduation, she was in a wheelchair. Mm. And she's permanently disabled uh, to a wheelchair and uh, confined to a wheelchair. But when she came to my graduation and encouraged me to go, she said, just march for me. So when I marched across the stage, it really wasn't for myself to receive my own diploma. It was because I thought enough of my mother who said to me, boy, march for me. Right. And that's why I marched right. across the stage. And that also goes back to clipped wings, broken mm-hmm. legs that she may have and hips. They mm-hmm. do fly. So, mm-hmm. How long did it take you to write the book? The original book, and I keep going back to the original book because it had a whole different spin. Uh, the original book was written 10 years ago, and it was uh, completed for the most part. I would say nine chapters of it was already completed. But I had a strange experience uh, where um, a colleague of mine was going through a very dark stage in their life. And often it's hard for um, many of these young guys who look up to me uh, to understand that I have rough patches and it happens on a daily basis because they'll see the office building and the businesses and the employees And I was trying to convey for the longest that you're no different than I. We were over um, at a location and an incident occurred and this person had gotten really hung up and depressed over that situation to the point where, you know, they really didn't see any hope in their uh, perspective. And I waited till we got back in a common area And we had the discussion two weeks after the incident occurred. And I had asked them about if they remembered, and they remembered part of it. So, you know, I elaborated and spoke about, you know, where I felt, you know, things could have gone differently. At that same point, while I'm going in to counsel him, I heard a voice, and it was almost like God was speaking. (laughs) And it was my psychotherapist from 25 years ago, 24 years ago, Dr. Shelley Neiderbeck. And it's like I heard a voice as plain as day speaking to me. And I know it was only God speaking for the most part, because as I was going to counsel him, there was chapters in my life that I had never read and closed. Or better yet, I read, but I never finished those chapters. Well, long story short... I decided while he was present, I afforded him the opportunity to see me vulnerable. 
And by him seeing me vulnerable, since he looks up to me, let him see me vulnerable, I decided to go online and find my psychotherapist, Dr. Shelly Neiderback, who I hadn't spoken to in 24 years. Main reason why I hadn't spoken to her, because today I'm successful. That's my past. You know, I was quote unquote crazy then but you know you don't know me that way <laughs> so but even though I've shared with this person about my past and how similar we were um, I needed him to see me go through a process once I found her number on the line I called her and told her who I was and she didn't remember and then I told her about some incidents and she remembered clearly she said Michael you know <laughs> and it was like crazy right Long story short, tears began to fall down my face, and the person who I was speaking to in the, you know, in my work immediate environment went to comfort me, and I told him, no, don't, don't, don't comfort me. I need to go through this. Mm-hmm. And as I finished, he was really blown away mm-hmm. that I would be as open and honest with my feelings in front of him. Instead, in, in, in the process of still he having me as a mentor, I still was able to be confident in who I was to be vulnerable to him so that he could learn the lesson about confronting issues rather than running from issues. And I learned a lesson in the process as well. You know, it's very interesting because typically someone in a leadership position like yourself, uh, a lot of folks don't want to show any emotion. Um, They don't want to share. They just want to have like a a wall between um, their employees and themselves. But you chose to, to, to show that vulnerability. What do you think will be the upside to your business and to your, your relationship with your other coworkers? Well, one of the things that I'm a big proponent of, um, and, and it works for me, uh, you have different styles of leadership. And one style of leadership that I exercise is a horizontal tier. Um, a lot of people like the vertical where I'm the boss and I'm, you know, and then I have someone under me. In my environment, I try to keep a horizontal leadership style because I like an open door policy. Uh, I like for the employees to know that you could come to me and I could go to you. Mm -hmm. What tends to happen when you afford the opportunity for people to work at their best Mm -hmm. Um, what tends to occur is they get their best when they're most relaxed, mm-hmm. not when they're sleep mentally. Okay, when they're most relaxed mentally. I subscribe to the horizontal approach to uh, leadership. It best works for my organization. And, and then, you know, when I think about other styles of leadership, um, often in organizations there's no emotional connection Uh, One of the things where you won't find often in a vertical style of leadership, which is usually a corporate office or something, is any emotion because they're there to do a job, produce numbers. Not that it's not the same in a um, uh, a sole proprietorship and or a smaller corporation, but people tend not to put their emotions out there. Let me not mislead you in my perspective, thinking that it's, good to be emotional because I'm not emotional in business. There's a clear distinction where I see the need for productivity is where I address it specific for that. But often you're taught, and I was trained, and I think it's a good teaching, is to be able to separate the two. Realize that everything isn't perfect, 
everything isn't against you. So if I was to respond to people, whether their performance is going down and be emotional about the response, I lose that employee. If I was dissatisfied with what employees did and respond emotionally with their performance, I lose that employee and or the potential of better work from that employee. So being emotional doesn't always work in a corporation or in a business environment. It's just in that one case that I pointed out with the uh, uh, protege, uh, it was needed that I address those issues. How would you describe your leadership style? I think that's a tricky uh, question um, because there's no one uh, clear uh, direction or aspect that I can think of to say that I'm one way or the other. Uh, I think I incorporate many aspects in my leadership style, um, whereas I, I like uh, end results, and I may be a taskmaster at times. Um, I am also that person who is very understanding to the person's needs. One of the interesting things I employ from uh, a local agency here in uh, Montclair, the Mental Health Association of Essex, and I believe that in everyone there's good quality. So with my leadership dealing with professionals who are EMTs, uh, bus drivers with their CDL, truck drivers, and dealing in that component and mindset, I also have to be mindful that there are people who may not have all of the opportunities that you have, but yet may still work with you in the same work environment. With that being said, you can't treat everyone the same. So daily in my hat, I'm wearing different hats with different people. Now, you have a number of businesses. You've written a book. You're now making a movie about the book. Um, when do you find time to relax, or do you relax? Well, one of the beauties, and I guess it's a curse, is that um, when you enjoy what you do, you don't look at it as work. I enjoy coming to a building that I own. Uh, I enjoy producing and being creative in the businesses that I run. We have six companies, uh, all that pay taxes. We have around 40 employees between the companies. And um, it's a good thing. So relaxing for me is probably I collect antique cars. Periodically, you may see me on a highway in a 57 Mercedes convertible and or uh, my 59 Corvette uh, convertible driving up the parkway down at the shore over in New York, just doing something crazy, just driving. That's how I relax by myself. Okay. Now, um, your, your book is available on Amazon.com, is that correct? Yes, it's on Amazon.com as well as BarnesandNoble.com. Mm -hmm. Or you can go onto our website, which is www.clipwingsthedofly.com. Yes, very nice website. Very nice Thank website. You. And how are the book sales going so far? The book sales are doing, doing well. Uh, one of the interesting things, and I'm glad you brought it up, we were not focused when I wrote the book uh, to try to sell books. Our goal at Prestige Media Productions was to produce movies. Our experience comes out of doing commercials for different companies and individuals, campaign and, and, and other projects, music videos. So our goal was to make movies based on whatever I wrote. So our, our initial thing was not just for sales. It was about putting for those listeners who are just joining us, we are here with 
Mr. William Michael Barbie, who is an author, entrepreneur, and director, whose book, Clip Wings, They Do Fly, is available on Amazon. And was the book helpful to you as, a, as an individual to maybe um, erase some demons, or was it therapeutic for you? Yes. Uh, one of the ties, as I was speaking to my protege, speaking to me that day, and, and, and me being forced back to deal with parts of my past and bring closure, the book has been very therapeutic for me. Don't get me wrong. Don't buy the book thinking you're going to get therapy because you're not. And, and let's be real about it. It is semi-autobiographical. It's a novel about a guy with multiple personality disorder who finds himself on trial for a crime he doesn't remember committing. So what I was able to do successfully is I put those same writings from 25 years ago that Dr. Neiderbeck and I had gone over and that I started writing, and I put those poems and stories into a fictitious character. So for me being an artist, I needed that outlet so that I can breathe. So I chose writing as the outlet. So I hid my truths behind this fictitious character. So yes, the book was therapeutic. You know, recently, uh, one of my guests um, is from the Op-Ed Project. And I think I might have shared the story with you today that we met. I had her on my program, and she had a couple of folks on the program with her. And uh, this one gentleman uh, who had uh, been incarcerated for um, doing uh, burglaries and whatnot, Mm -hmm. robberies, um, but he found that when he was inside uh, serving his time, he found that writing was a very positive outlet. It allowed him to to address his weaknesses and allowed him to address his his anger. Sure. Um, did you find a similar solace in in the writing? Well, writing for me uh, didn't come naturally. Um, I'm a painter. I went to school for art. I paint. Uh, my brother Mark Barbie is a writer. He's always wrote, written essays and things of that nature. For whatever reason, me going through the depression, suicide attempt, and all that stuff back then. Uh, I had a, a artistic block where I didn't write. I didn't paint. I just started writing. And most of the writings uh, were angry, and they were about something that I was a child on the tail end of the civil rights movement. Uh, I didn't experience standing or going in the back door, but I heard the stories about my father, mm-hmm. and he told me the story. So. My writings resembled, and ther- my, my therapist had uh, brought the tie between my anger towards my father and me living out my expressions through my writing based on the stories that he shared. So I was always fascinated with the civil rights, the struggles, the history. So my writings were about everything that was angry against people of color and whatever my father taught me, and I was still trying to prove my father I'm that guy. I'm that guy. So a lot of the writings that I incorporated were releases for me as I um, uh, tried to be that child that my father, as I thought, wanted me to be. Wow. And the movie is currently in production. When do you anticipate that um, production will be wrapped up? Well, one of the interesting things uh, we've been brought, and maybe I'll put a plug in for this other young lady, Catherine Stanley, a dynamic uh, writer. Um, Catherine Stanley, beautiful young lady, she wrote uh, the screenplay for a movie called A Time After Yesterday. 
And the girl is a great writer, and she's up and coming. But her company, mm -hmm. uh, Big Sis, Little Sis Entertainment, came to Prestige Media Productions to film their movie, um, of which deadline is for the Sundance uh, Screen Festival, which is coming up September or after that. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's the deadline. Mm -hmm. But that was one of the projects that we were working on, which threw our schedule off for Clip Wings They Do Fly. So when you're juggling so many different things out time, we cannot compete for the Sundance Film Festival uh, with our movie, uh, Clip Wings They Do Fly. But on board, we have some very strong talent. We have the successful senior actor, Bill Cobbs. Uh, he's been in some every kind of movie. Um, we have J.D. Williams from The Wire. We're working with Hassan Johnson from The Wire. Um, we have Andy Hagerman, who's been many appearances on Law & Order. Yeah, we have Stephen Lee. He's been in some of every kind of movie. Uh, Bobby Walston, a great uh, young lady, friend of mine, many years, uh, done a lot of stage performances. We have Anthony DeWitt. Uh, he's a great dancer and actor, a uh, friend of mine for many years, went to School of Performing Arts. And we have other characters and people playing. My nephew, Jalen Patterson, um, we made him an actor, but the boy is just a natural. Okay. Does he get paid? God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so with all the different projects that, 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 that you have, the business that you have, what's next? What, what is your next exciting project that, that you're very excited about? Well, as we work on this movie, uh, Clip Wings, They Do Fly, and finish with this time after yesterday, uh, I have another book coming out called Colorblind, which we'll also make into a movie project. Uh, we look for content and quality. So that's one of the uh, great things about when you own your production company and you have the ability to write and be free of expression, to express, uh, you tend to marriage those two entities. So we have um, another book and movie that will follow shortly after. We're not on any deadline. We're not trying to compete for any time. So we're, we're able to really... Um, express ourselves uh, freely without being rushed. Now, what's going to be the distribution uh, model for your for your film? Well, one of the interesting things, and it's just been through God's grace, we've been, we were at the Black, well, not the Black, it was the Book Expo of America mm -hmm. at the Jacob Javits, and we met everyone under the sun, right. not just in books, but also in media. Mm -hmm. um, we have a um, deal with this company called Rod Nation, um, Rodney Lewis out of Atlanta, uh, another Norkite um, started his company down there, did some great things for Georgia University. Uh, he's marketing uh, some products that we have. And some of the products we have, we produce kids' shows like King and Queens at 16, College Apprenticeship Scholarship Fund. Uh, and these are kid-ready shows that we are featuring and trying to sell to networks. So our distribution and marketing are coming through Rod Lewis. Um, and his Rod Nation, as well as different facets and uh, people that we run across and know here. Very nice. Very nice. Now, um, I, I should recommend to you to go to the Frankfurt Book Fair in October. Where's that? That's in Frankfurt, Germany. Oh, wow. Um, it will blow your mind. I was mind. in Frankfurt three years ago. Oh, okay. It will blow your mind. It is the mecca of book publishing. Wow. That's where all publishers and all book buyers and sellers from all over the world, wow. all this content is where they come. And I think that your, your product, your message is, is something that the world community uh, would want to hear about. Oh, great, great. 
One of the other things, and I don't want to forget, because, you know, we have spoken about the books, the movie, but there are other businesses, the limousine service, Prestige Tours, at www.rideprestige.com, United to Care Medical Transportation Service. We're a provider of 17 years of non-emergency medical transportation. We have AirMed Counseling Services, as well as AirMed Foundation, which is the nonprofit component to the for-profit component, where we provide services daily for people with substance abuse and mental issues. That's at www.airmedcounseling.com. So we have a variety of companies, United to Care Properties for real estate. We have office space if you need office space, residential property if you need apartments, things of the like. But we have a good operation. We have contracts with um, Spirit Cruises, the largest dining cruise on on the water. So we, we do a lot and we're well, Michael, I know our time has flown by, but there are a couple of events you want to share with our audience that you're going to be speaking at. Yes, uh, July 21st, uh, Saturday, same day that this airs, I would be at the Harlem Book Fair over in Manhattan, over in Harlem. I'm one of the panelists, actually, for Water in the Sea, which is about educating the community of entrepreneurs about business. Um, that's one place. In August, I'll be in Tennessee at a book signing. Um, I have different things going on, and I'm just really humbled in. Ladies and gentlemen, we're here with author, entrepreneur, and director William Michael Barbie. Michael, thank you for coming on the program. Thank you for having me. Best wishes on the, the filming of Clip Wings They Do Fly, and we'll make sure that we will tweet, Facebook, LinkedIn, any type of social yes, media sir. we could do about your book. We're going to give it that here. support. We'll do the same with this station. All right. God bless you. God bless you as well. Ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up our program for this week. Remember, this is Darrell Gunter with Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM. Remember, leadership begins with you.